Bible. This morning I took off my makeup and put the clown suit in the closet. So let's take a ride. The subject is spirit relating to all. I've tried to join some ideas together regarding spirit and how it affects our lives. Spirit caused the Big Bang, and at the same instant, time was created. Before the Big Bang, there was nothing to measure, no seconds to keep track of. Now maybe the Big Bang created spirit. I'm not sure which did what, but what's important to me is that we have something that cares for all, the plants, animals, all creatures, and even us. I'm guessing that each of us have felt at least once in our lives that little whisper that leads us in the right direction. Spirit keeps everything moving. It keeps the universe in chaotic order. Spirit keeps the sun warming our earth while all in nature is moving and growing. One of the nice things about spirit is that we believe something, but then we learn our beliefs must, but then as we learn, our beliefs must change. We change. We evolve. I was on the checkout line at Safeway when I overheard two men in front of me talking about some of their religious concepts. The first man said that he was an agnostic. The second man said that he was an atheist, to which the first man replied, I admire your faith. People appear separate, but we are all one. To be one doesn't mean we're all the same. Each being is unique. No two occupy the same space. As the leaf needs all the parts for completion, so each spirit has its separate place. I've read some of the words in the New and Old Testaments of the Bible, the Quran, the Talmud, the Bhagavad Gita, the teachings of Paramahansa Yogananda, Confucius, Gandhi, and several others. I have done this not because I'm a scholar, I'm far from being a scholar, but because I wanted to learn what others said about spirit. Some scientists tell us that all is one, that there are these tiny little particles called neutrinos that pass constantly through everything, even our bodies, with seemingly no effect. The Aborigines in Australia call spirit the divine oneness, while the Native Americans often refer to it as the great spirit. So whatever this spirit is, I feel comfortable believing that all is one. I could be right. Spirit heals, soothes, leads, and protects. It empowers us with energy so that we can work and produce and enjoy the fruits of our labors. Have you ever gone to sleep with a problem and then having dreamt about it, awakened with a solution? Some say that the subconscious whispers to our conscious mind while we dream. But I wonder what whispers to the subconscious telling it what to whisper to the conscious. (laughs) This could be a job for spirit. Sometimes I'm weary and worn out with a problem that can't be solved. When I have no place to turn for help, I close my eyes and I say quietly, I could use a little help. 
That statement, prompted by desperation and sent out into the universe, can sometimes reap great answers. Not always, but it's always worth a shot. All of us have probably felt spirit at one time or another. This is my story. One Saturday morning, I was standing at the bathroom sink, looking into the mirror and suffering from the worst hangover in my life. Suddenly, it was as though a veil was removed, and I saw my life and the world as things really were. It was more than I could handle. I got down on the cold floor and in desperation asked for help. That was it. I just asked for help. I didn't know it then, but nothing would ever be the same. That was the morning of April 27, 1968. I haven't used drugs or alcohol since that day. I believe the spirit that is somehow ever-present in all things heard my plea. It was something outside of me that has been supporting and guiding me since that morning. Once when I was between marriages, I went to a laundromat to do a weekly wash. I was living in a small furnished room. There I saw a young man in his early 20s waiting in front of a washing machine and wearing nothing but a towel around his waist. No pants, no shoes, no shirt, only a towel. I had seen him several times around town, sitting on the sidewalk, holding a small dog that seemed to have problems walking. Normally, I would put on my, put in my clothes in the washing machine and waited for my wash to finish. This day, something happened. I went home and got a pair of deck shoes and some socks and brought them back to the boy. When I handed them to him, he smiled and went to hug me. I recoiled because he was so dirty. He apologized and took my hand. I wish I had let him hug me. I would today. Okay, this is a story I read on the internet, so it must be true. (laughs) I've heard it repeated once or twice by friends. I need to blow my nose. At a fundraising dinner for a school that serves learning disabled children, the father of one of the students delivered a speech that would never be forgotten by all who attended. After extolling the school and its dedicated staff, he offered a question. When not interfered with by outside influences, everything nature does is done with perfection. Yet, my son, Shay, cannot learn things as other children do. He cannot understand things as other children do. Where is the natural order of things in my son? Where is God's mercy in my son? The audience was stilled by the query. 
The father continued, I believe that when a child like Shay, physically and mentally handicapped, comes into the world, an opportunity to realize true human nature presents itself, and it comes in the way other people treat that child. Then he told the following story. Shay and his father had walked past the park where some boys Shay knew were playing baseball. Shay asked, do you think they'll let me play? Shay's father knew that most of the boys would not want someone like Shay on their team. But the father also understood that his son was, that if his son were allowed to play, it would give him a much needed sense of belonging and some confidence to be accepted by others in spite of his handicaps. Shay's father approached one of the boys on the field and asked if Shay could play, not expecting much. The boy looked around for guidance, and a few boys nodded their approval because why not? So he took matters into his own hands and said, We're losing by six runs, and the game is in the eighth inning. I guess he can be on our team, and we'll try to put him into bat in the ninth inning. Shea struggled over to the team's bench, put on a team team shirt with a broad smile. His father had a small tear in his eye and warmth in his heart. The boys saw the father's joy at his son's being accepted. In the bottom of the eighth inning, Shea's team scored a few runs, but it was still behind by three. In the top of the ninth inning, Shea put on a glove. Oh, God. And played in right field. Even though no hits came his way, he was obviously ecstatic just to be in the game and on the field, grinning from ear to ear as his father waved, him, waved to him from the stands. In the bottom of the ninth inning, Shea's team scored again. Now with two outs and the bases loaded, the potential running win was on base and Shea was scheduled to be next at bat. At this juncture, do they let Shea bat and give away their chance to win the game? Surprisingly, Shea was given the bat. Everyone knew that a hit was all but impossible because Shea didn't even know how to hold the bat, much less connect with the ball. However, As Shea stepped up to the plate, the pitcher, recognizing that the other team was putting winning aside for this moment in Shea's life, moved in a few steps to lob the ball in softly so that Shea could at least make contact. Uh, This is allergies. Maybe. The first pitch came and Shea swung clumsily and missed. 
The pitcher again took a few steps forward and tossed the ball softly toward Shea. As the pitch came in, Shea swung at the ball and hit a slow ground ball right back to the pitcher. The game was now to be over. The pitcher picked up the soft grounder and could have easily thrown the ball to the first baseman. Shea would have been out, and that would have been the end of the game. Instead, the pitcher threw the ball right over the head of the first baseman, out of reach of all teammates. Everyone from the stands in both teams and both teams started yelling, Shay, run to first, run to first. <laughs> Never in his life had Shay run that far, but he made it to first base. He scampered down the baseline, wide-eyed and startled. Everyone yelled, run to second, run to second. Catching his breath, Shay awkwardly ran, gleaming and struggling to make it to second base. As Shay ran towards the second base, the right fielder got the ball, he was the smallest guy on his team, and he had the chance to be the hero for the first time. He could have thrown the ball to the second baseman for the tag. But instead, understanding the pitcher's intentions, he threw the ball high and far over the second baseman's head. Shea reached second base. The opposing shortstop ran to help him, and turning him in the direction of third base, shouted, Run to third, Shea! Run to third! Shea ran toward third base deliriously as the runners ahead of him circled the bases toward home. All was screaming, Shea, 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 all the way, Shea. Shea reached third base. As Shea rounded third, the boys on both teams and those watching in the stands were on their feet screaming, Shea, run home. Shea ran home, stepped on the plate, and was cheered as the hero who hit the grand slam and won the game for his team. That day, said the father softly, yeah, he had allergies too, <laughs> with tears now rolling down his face. The boys from both teams helped bring a piece, a piece of true love and humanity into this world. Maybe that spirit that moves through everything and everyone was at the field that day. The boys seemed to know what to do without talking about it. They just knew. I don't know if this is fact or fiction, but I like to believe it happened. One little last story. We have two dogs at home, a silky terrier called Harry, and a Shih Tzu called Holly. Holly loves everybody. Harry's a little circumspect. He's a terrier. <laughs> but I know when I come home from work, they'll be there waiting for me. These dogs have taught me that they love me. And knowing that, I've learned how to love. I always knew what love was. I just never felt it until I had dogs in my life. The first dog we got was in 2001. She only lasted seven years, and then she had to be put down. Then Harry came, and he was followed soon by Holly. There's something about 
that unconditional love that if I'm quiet and I listen and I open my heart, I can almost reach out and touch that spirit that brings them to me and brings their love to me. I've learned how to love now, and they did it for me. I've spoken of some things that spirit relates to. There are many aspects of spirit. What stirs your spirit? <laughs>